Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, first off, happy Labor Day. Uh, we are both laboring from our respective locations. But I don't know, it, right. is, is it really work if we love what we're doing? Um, I don't think so. I don't think that counts as work. Yeah, no, no. And I, and I think this doesn't count as work because we love doing it. Our other jobs, well, we can discuss that another time. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> that will be B squared, your weekly job venting podcast. Exactly. And yeah, that nobody will want to listen to that. Anyways, uh, it is Labor Day. So happy Labor Day to everybody out there. Thank you, everybody who is considered essential and non-essential. Thank you to our first responders. Thank you to everybody that helps make this world go round despite a pandemic happening. Because. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a rough time right now. It is for sure. So thank you to everybody that continues to go to work. Thank you to everybody out there that is looking for a job to return to work. Um, and again, we're almost out of this. OK, let's not we're not going to mix words. We're almost done with the pandemic just based on everything I've seen. So knock on wood, it's going to be done real quick. Hopefully, hopefully we can get back to some sort of normal. Yes. That is that is the hope, and hopefully very soon. Anyways, Bonnie, uh, the tropics were the big story the last couple weeks. You know, obviously we had Maria come ashore, and was it Maria? It was Maria, right? No, Marco. Marco. Well, Marco, and then Laura. Laura. Thank you. I don't know why I said Maria. Gosh. <laughs> Close. It, it was a mix of the names. It, it works. It's Labor Day, right? <laughs> I was thinking Marco Polo, but I know that wasn't right, so I don't know why I went with Maria. But yes, so Hurricane Laura was the story. Came ashore um, on the Gulf Coast of Louisiana. Lake Charles was still struggling to get power back on in some neighborhoods. We wow. knew that was going to be the case, and hopefully they can get that all fixed. But we turned and we looked back at the Atlantic, and there was no rest for the weary. All of a sudden, you had... Tropical Storm Nana and Tropical Storm Omar. And you're like, okay, great. Well, Nana took a vacation down to Central America. She went to Guatemala to party and ring herself out. And she <laughs> did. Uh, Omar spun up the coast of the United States and went out to sea, got entrained into a very strong uh, west to east jet and dissipated out over the North Atlantic. But, but Omar was not. Laura coming back out over the Atlantic. Right? That is he correct. Was a whole separate thing. That was okay. correct. Uh, Laura actually died a very quick death, even faster than they thought they would or she would. Um, I want to say the last time they issued a advisory for Laura, she was somewhere was in Tennessee, was right? Over Tennessee, yeah. Yeah. So you're like, okay, you know, and thank God because, you know, we didn't need that to fire up. But, you know, I cannot believe how many tornado warnings and I don't know what the actual tornado count is. I don't even know if they can have one, if you know, if they can tell. But the amount of tornado warnings I right. saw from Laura in Louisiana and Arkansas, Arkansas had a lot. 
I was just like, okay, Laura, I see you. Yeah, no, she she put out a lot of storms. Again, a lot of areas in the right front quadrant, which we knew was going to be the case, which is always the case with yeah. landfall and hurricanes. So it was an impressive storm. We talked about that a lot last week. But since, Laura, we've had one, two, three, we've had five storms, okay? Wow. And we're talking now wow. less than, you know, 10, 10 days roughly since Laura made landfall. Let me Let me double check. When was the last... So the last update that we got from the Hurricane Center was on the 29th. So, yeah, so 10 days. So since then, you're like, what do you mean we've had other storms since? Well, we like we said, we had, you know, Tropical Storm Omar. We had Hurricane mm-hmm. Nana. We have Tropical Storm Paulette, which is out in the Atlantic. We'll talk about her in a minute. And newly formed Tropical Depression 18. 18, y'all, 18. And there's 26 letters in the alphabet, but we don't use all 26. So we are about to blow through the alphabet, I think, by the end of this month. Yes. If we keep going the way we're going. So we're about to go to the Greek, which means yep. uh, for now the third time in history that we would be entering the Greek alphabet. That so is nuts. It is Think nuts. about that. Third time in history since they started naming storms, which I don't even remember when that started. Uh, 1953, 1953. Yep. Wow. So, you know, again, every six years, the list rotates is actually every seven years, but you know what we mean the next time in six years. So 2020, the names will repeat in 2026. That's, you know, six years. But with that said, (laughs) we go to the Greek alphabet. If that is the case, well, then we start with alpha beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, and then so forth and so on. The chances of us getting to omega, which is at the very end of the Greek alphabet, is pretty much slim to none. However, the way 2020 has been going, we shall see. Right. And I mean, we still have a while. I mean, November 1st, right, is the is yep. the end. Yep. Not that that matters. Like, no. if there's still, if it's still warm enough out there and there's still storms, it could continue on past that. But that's right. typically when it ends. So right. we'll see. But just want to let you know, so if Tropical Depression 18 does form, it will become Rene, R-E-N-E, so Rene. Then we have Sally, Teddy, Vicky, Wilfred, and then we would go to Alpha. So we're six storms away, and we have three storms in the Gulf, or three storms in the Atlantic right now, or areas that they're watching. Two of them are storms. One is an area of investigation. So that could become, say, Sally. Um, Yeah. But... You know, so we're looking at Sally, Teddy, Vicky, Wilfred, and then we go to the Greek. And Bonnie, I'm just going to say it right now. Let's just insert the joke. That's so 2020. It is. It really is. You know, and I know that everyone wants an excuse to say that, but let's be real. The third time in history we make it through the entire alphabet is the year 2020. Like, what a coincidence. Right. And you look at it, you're like, okay, does this make a lot of sense? Yes, it does. Right. Right. At this point, anything that happens this year makes sense. Which, side note, RIP Black Panther. Yes. Yes. And we we, we can talk about that in a minute. But yes, that was a big story from last week. And, you know, there are some connections to weather. He was able to control the weather as Black Panther, I do believe. So, yeah. I'm pretty sure. 100%. When you look at the tropical season, you know, it started out slow. And you and I had talked about, you know, we're ready for it to ramp up, and it did. And it's ramped up in a big way. Obviously, Laura will be the story going forward until we see what happens through the end of the rest of the season. But a Cat 4 making landfall in Louisiana, 
you know, one extremely rare, especially the location. It's done it before, but again, very rare. So that might be also so 2020. No, completely agree. And, and let's be fair. A lot of these that have gotten up to the status where they get named haven't done much. True. They stayed out. They've that been just kind true. of a windstorm or a rainstorm, but that doesn't necessarily matter because that wasn't part of the forecast anyway. It wasn't major hurricanes right. for the whole alphabet. It was just a select few. I can't remember the numbers. I think it was like, what, two to four major hurricanes, four to six hurricanes. Yeah, somewhere in that range. So, you know, we've had our one major hurricane. We've had how many actual hurricanes? Four? Uh, this year? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what we've had this year so far. I can go to archives. We have had uh, hurricanes. We have we had Hannah, uh, mm-hmm. Isaias. There we go. Oh, yeah. I nailed it. Nailed it. Didn't even have to look at the pronunciation guide. There's I'm two, impressed. three, four. We've had five so far. We had Hannah, Isaias, Laura, Marco, and Nana. There we go. Five. Yep. Everything. And else. one major. Yep. <clears throat> one major. So, well, Isaias was a major at one point, right? But it never came ashore as a big one. Mm, maybe not. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. They all... to a Cat Three is they... Cat is Cat Three the major? Yep, Cat Three is a major. Why don't I feel like I don't think he made it to Cat Three? I don't know. Maybe he didn't. Uh, just so we also don't get things past or you know confused up. There have only been three hurricanes in the Eastern Pacific so far. Really? Yep. Why have I thought there was more? I don't know, but there's only been maybe th- it. It started to get active, I guess, and then kind of died off a bit. Right. Well, whatever, Pacific, get on Atlantic's <laughs> level. Like I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, the other story that we'll talk about, obviously, is Hurricane Douglas and making its approach to the Hawaiian Islands and just missing it to the north. That will be the other big story of 2020, the tropical season so far to date. But yes. uh, Laura is still the big deal. So like we said, we have Tropical Storm Paulette out over the coast. And man, she is uh, she's forecast to move west-northwest. She is something that we need to watch because... If we don't, uh, it could be interesting. The current forecast path has her, like I said, moving to the west-northwest as a tropical storm. Even through day five, as we get towards Saturday, she's still a tropical storm. At this point, she will be several hundred miles to the northeast of the Lesser Antilles. The forecast cone after that is very uncertain, but she would be out over open water, so just affecting uh, shipping channels at the moment. So we will keep an eye on Paulette. Obviously, Tropical Depression 18 is also there. Their cone of uncertainty kind of follows the same track, but the difference is it is forecast to become a hurricane. So, yes, this could be interesting um, once we get, you know, kind of going. It would be runny if it is the next hurricane or Sally, depending on if another tropical, you know, system forms before this. But um, it's currently a storm. It's forecast to become a hurricane on Thursday as it just chugs across uh, the Atlantic. It is nowhere near anything. It is basically right now coming off the coast of Africa, and by the time it uh, makes its way through Thursday into Friday and Saturday, it is still out in the middle of the open Atlantic. Wow. Yeah. Well, and let's keep in mind that nothing's come into the Gulf since Laura. Yep. So 
That's true. The golf has just been warming up yep. and not being disturbed. So if anything makes it into the golf, there's going to be some good fuel there. So. Yes, exactly. And as long as the upper air conditions warrant, that's exactly mm-hmm. what we're looking like. So um, the tropics are not quiet by any stretch of the imagination. With that said, though, everything that is happening is not necessarily affecting the mainland U.S. or any U.S. areas of interest outside the Atlantic. So, Right. At this time. But, at you this know. time. Right. Things change, especially when we talk about it on the podcast, things change. Yes, they do. Which <laughs> means next time when we talk, you know, coming up in what, six days, I will have three major hurricanes. Exactly. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It happens. It happens all the time. Uh there is one area that they're looking at in the eastern Pacific. Uh it's a ten percent to twenty percent chance of formation through the next five days. Uh there's just nothing happening. Environmental conditions are expected to become less hostile. That's a great that's a great phrase. By Wednesday, some site development is possible thereafter. But yes, you don't want hostile environments to uh, no. create storms. So nope. there's an update not on the good. tropics. No, it's not. Um, one thing I want to talk about as we get back to the mainland is Bonnie. I know that you guys have a cold front coming through very soon. However, the story with that is our poor friends in Denver. Our poor, poor friends in Denver. These guys, I you know what. The joke in the weather community is if you and this is anywhere, wait five days for you know, or wait five minutes for the weather to change and eventually it will, right? Yes. Well, the poor people in Denver, Colorado, I feel for them, I really do. Because yeah. <laughs> they're gonna go into shock. They are gonna <laughs> go into shock. Okay, I'm gonna let's let's look at Labor Day right now, okay? Right now, currently when we're taping this, it's one it's 1 p.m. Central, or almost 1.30 Central on Monday afternoon, which is Labor Day, okay? Mm-hmm. Currently at Buckley Air Force Base just outside of Denver, it's 88 degrees and there's some wildfire smoke, okay? Yes. They're under a winter weather advisory. Yeah. Let me, let me repeat And a that. heat advisory, aren't uh, they? Isn't yes. it supposed to get to like 102 or something? Yes. So, yeah. We'll go back into Denver City proper, Okay. They're under a winter weather advisory. They're under air quality alert, hazardous weather outlook. Okay. It's going to be 92 today. Okay. 92 today. Bonnie, take a stab where you think the low will be tonight. I don't know. 29 degrees. Close. 33. Wow. I'm not a math major. That's a 60 degree drop. Yes. Okay. In five minutes, basically. Like, and yes. it, it, that's what the forecast is. I will tell you this right now. I'm looking at the hour by hour. Oh, my gosh. I for, need you to screenshot that or something. I, I will. I will. <laughs> and you know it's about to change when everything starts ramping up and they're talking about snow starting tomorrow. Not like tomorrow during the day, but tomorrow morning, like, say, several hours from now. The temperature, yes. and, and, and I'm going to screenshot this, and I will I'll put this uh, up on Weather Podcast here in just one second. But I need, hold on here. I need to do some editing because I don't want the rain. I don't need to look at the rain. <laughs> I'm going to take the rain out of it. I'm taking the thunder out of it. I'm going to take the freezing rain out of it, taking the sleet out of it. Let's go ahead and submit this again. By the way, if you guys don't use this tool, it is fantastic. This is the 48-hour grid forecast. The forecast graph for Denver, Colorado. It is amazing. 
And we're going to change the zoom out a little bit so we can see everything a little bit more. There we go. Nope, a little bit more. Just a little bit. I'm having flashbacks to listen to the Blue Angels. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. So, starting tonight, <laughs> they're going to go from 90 degrees to snow tomorrow. Yes, I said that right. 90 degrees to snow tomorrow. Bonnie, I don't know if I've ever seen quite that change in temperature, but that's pretty freaking awesome. I, I mean, my my only thing is I've seen some of the snowfall projections. And right. of course, we have to take those with a grain of salt, but I have seen 19 inches, 12 inches. And I don't know how much of that is higher up in the mountains and not necessarily down at the ground. Sure. But... If it's been summer all summer and it's been 92 today, how much of that's going to stick or how much snow has to fall to cool the ground enough for it to start sticking? Right. Well, according to this, to the forecasting, and again, we'll we'll put this out on, on uh, weather podcast, you know, there's 1.8 inches, 3.8 inches, 4.8 inches, 5.1 inches over any time through end of Wednesday. Wow. And that is insane to me. Like it is legitimately insane that we are looking at that temperature swing to go from ninety to thirty and have snow by this time tomorrow. Seriously, it's like people are gonna be telling their grandkids, Oh, I remember the blizzard of September twenty twenty and people are gonna be like September. Yeah. And you're gonna be like, Yeah. And not September. and 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 not even like early or late September, like straight up. Yeah. Yeah, like day one of September, basically. Like, yeah, like still summer. Everyone's coming off of Labor Day weekend, being at the lake in the sun, sunscreen, hot dogs. And then it's like, oh, everyone break out your scarves and your mittens. Right. So I'm retweeting a tweet right now from NWS Boulder. Temperatures are only in the 60s under the smoke plume in the Fort Collins and Greenlee, Colorado areas. Further south, just a few miles, Denver metro regions are into the 80s and 90s. Wow. Yeah. It's a big And it's only one thirty, so there's still a lot of daylight heating left to happen. Yep, there is. There is. So yeah. <laughs> it is insane. But let's go ahead and I'm gonna post Pisha's video, add images. I love when we live tweet during the show. I'm sure our listeners love it. <laughs> I know they do. I know they do. Deep down. It's their favorite part. Oh man. So we talk about this, and it's not just the cold front that's going to be blasting through Denver, but this thing is going to come through the plains. Bonnie, you guys will be on the receiving end of it, and we will get into your forecast in a while. But let's talk about that because, again, this is really the first true cold outbreak of the 2020 season on the back end as we make that transition. You know, we've already gone into meteorological fall. And don't mm -hmm. get me started about the crap I took on my radio show about saying, hey, now it's fall. Everyone's like, it's not fall yet. Fall doesn't happen until September 22nd. I'm you just gave like, hey. everyone an excuse to bust out their Halloween decorations I and did. their flannel. <laughs> I did. And you know what? The pumpkin spice latte is out, so everybody's there. Oh, my gosh. It's out so hard. Right. Already. Yeah, it is. All, I'm all... resisting the urge to decorate my house I'm with sure, my Halloween stuff. I'm sure you are. I'm sure Hobby Lobby is patiently waiting for you to walk through the door and spend all of the dollars oh my gosh i would be broke <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that would be hilarious 
take a second mortgage out of my house so I can buy decorations. Like how addicted do you have to be? A lot of people, a lot of people do. Seriously, a lot of people do. But it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Hey, National Weather Service Portland is going to be live in 15 minutes on Facebook. That's going to get a retweet. So. Well, that's because y'all have something going on too right now. Yes, don't you? we do. So we'll, we'll jump into this now. Um, we've talked on this show a lot about the east wind that comes through the Columbia River Gorge, especially uh, as we get into winter, right? It's a transportation vessel for cold air, uh, cold continental air that makes its way down out of Canada um basically builds up east of the cascades between the cascades and the rocky mountains and you know it's a it's a gap in in a mountain range and so it's like we said it's a vessel for movement it's a conduit for cold wind and cold air to make its way into the portland metro area so during the winter it's not uncommon to have these events where you get an east wind storm however it is very very rare for us to have it this late in the season and combined with temperatures that are going to be probably in the low to mid-90s today. So you have hot air temperature and you have wind. And those are the two big ingredients for fires. And yes. we've seen this forecast set up before. It's extremely rare here. Like, you know, talking to the forecasters at the National Weather Service and some of the TV guys. Um, they're like, we see this once every 50 years, if not once every hundred years. Wow. So it's, it's a rare setup to have the combination that we do. Yes. We get the winds, like we said, a lot during the winter and occasionally even, you know, during the summer or, um, we'll get them like with a downslope event and it's, you know, air moving to a heat low basically. So the air compresses and helps heats up. Well, it's very similar to this, but that difference is it's usually never gusting above say 30 35 we could be looking at wind gusts in the portland metro area around 40 to 50 maybe even 60 miles an hour and if you go up in any elevation it could easily reach 75 so we are under an extreme well everybody here is under a massive red flag warning which means any sparks any open thing could you know light a fire off very quickly but you add that in you had the temperature in, and you had the wind, and the recipe, Bonnie, is, is is existing in our area for explosive fire growth, and it will not surprise me any bit to see multiple forest fire starts, uh, grassland fires, urban fires that interface with, you know, the metro area. So um, firefighters are, are definitely on edge. Weather forecasters are on edge. It's going to be one of those days. Uh, and it's not just a one-day event. It's a two- to three-day event where we're going to have to be very, very, very vigilant. Well, I mean, hopefully people just do the basics. Like, don't throw your cigarettes out. Don't drive over dry grass. Don't throw glass out the window into the grass or anything like that, you know? So, I mean, people need to do what they can to prevent anything from happening. Exactly. Um this setup, like we said, is rare. The forecasters have said it's, you know, if you look at the 30-year running average climatologically, which is kind of what we look at, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, not necessarily always, you know, the, the be-all, end-all, right? It's an average, right. right? 30 years. We haven't seen the setup in, in, in 30 years. So that will tell you what we look at in terms of having to figure everything out. So what are you doing? Me? Yes. Nothing. Oh. What's a scratching sound? 
I don't know. Oh. It's not coming from me. Oh, no, it was definitely coming from you. How do you know? I'm just sitting on the couch looking at my chip. Oh, that's what it was. You're playing with your chips. No, I wasn't touching them. I was just looking at them. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Bonnie's hungry. I don't blame her. Anyways, I'm hungry too. And we'll get to, you know, I got to get some lunch. Anyways, um, this setup is, is, is extremely rare. And, you know, when your city is put into the extreme risk from the Storm Prediction Center, you pay attention. And the small town that I live in just outside of Portland, it's not so small anymore. It's huge. It's almost, you know, like 250,000 people. When I grew up, it was like 30,000 people. So my the city I live in is, you know, it has exploded, no pun intended. <laughs> but you pay attention to it and you look at what could happen. And like you said, anything, a spark from a chain that you're dragging a trailer, a tossed yeah. out cigarette or cigar, bark dust. And you mentioned something before we started taping that I thought was very important. Please don't litter. And people are like, well, what does this have to do with it? If you throw glass out or any type of combustible, you know, a cup, whatever, glass can reflect. Is, is it, it's not. It's refract, right? Yeah. I think it's reflect. It's reflect. Okay. Anyways, it does one of the two R things. It either refracts or reflects light. Mm-hmm. And it can focus it to create a hot spot like there are times where you walk outside and say the sun's hitting your neighbor's house and they've got a window and it's you know it's bouncing the sunlight back down that area is warmer there's an area i know that there's a condo in the complex i live in that when i walk outside during the winter if the sun hits the window just right the temperature is going to be like 65 in the path of the sun while the you know air temperature around it's in the mid 30s so that can cool it is cool it is really cool, um, but that can help ignite dry grass. Bark dust is extremely vulnerable. I mean, bark dust is combustible on its own. There's a yeah. reason why when you drive by, you know, the place that sells bark dust, chances are they have probably a sprinkler on it because bark dust has the tendency to be combustible on its own. It generates its own heat. It's a compost. That's why you see compost fires all the time. Because when things are degrading, it creates heat. It's a release, right? We, it, we talk about the science of how things work. Things decompose. They release heat. Water boils. It's a cooling process. What do you mean? The air is evaporating above it. It's cooling. Yes, you're boiling the water. You're bringing the temperature up to 212 degrees. But the air rising above it is cooling. That's why if you put your hand over it at a certain distance, you don't get burned. Your hand becomes very wet. Because the condensation <laughs> is evaporating. True. So, anyways, enough enough of science with Bobby. Um, well, that's why we sweat, though. It's true. Because the water takes the heat from our body to evaporate, and that's how we get rid of our body heat and cool down. Exactly. We went, We have the air pass over our bodies, and poof, there it goes. So, be careful, because we're going to see a lot of bark dust fires. I mean, I've already been following the fire scanner today. We've had two large fires in the district that I live in. Um, Slow moving so far, but with wind ramping up 10, 15, 20, 40, 60, 70 miles an hour, one spark becomes one flame, becomes five acres, 10 acres, 1,000 acres, 10,000 acres in the snap of a finger. Very true. And 
The worst is when the wind starts changing direction yep. and then firefighters get hurt, other people yep. get hurt, livestock, all of that. So fires aren't 100% preventable. Nature is going to happen, but we can do our part by not throwing stuff out into the grass that we don't need to, driving over it, like we said, all those things. We see it time and time again. It's one careless act causes mm -hmm. an issue. Yep. Now, when we look at the overall setup for this pattern, like I said, it's incredibly rare for what we, what we have here this time of year. The different models that we look at, and I got to give a shout out, especially to the high resolution rapid refresh. They have a series of, mo of models that look at smoke activity. There's a current fire that is burning in the Mount Jefferson uh, National Forest uh, in Central Oregon. It's been burning slowly from the west to the east. That's been the prevailing wind. However, today when this wind change comes and it's, you know, arriving as we speak, that fire is forecasted to explode in growth. Yes, it's going to burn back through some of the areas already been burning, but there's a whole cache of available timber, dead grass, mm -hmm. snags, everything to the west, and watching the smoke plume on the high rapid uh, or can't talk all of a sudden <laughs> watching the weather the smoke model on the her explode really kind of put this whole thing into focus and again this is on the east side of the cascades where the wind's not forecasted to be that strong it's forecasted to be stronger once you hit the crest and then start coming toward the portland area and into the willamette valley but if that's what's going to happen with a fire that's already burning i don't want to know what's going to happen with fires that start today because they're going to be explosive and they're going to go quick. Exactly. And this is why fire forecasting is important. And I think some people are like, how can you forecast a fire? But the point is knowing where humidity is low, knowing where wind is high, knowing where temperatures are high, that kind of thing. And really the wind direction is the big deal because just like you said, it could be all blowing one direction and then the wind changes and it goes back the other way and people in the path need to know. So this is why fire weather is a thing. No, it totally is. It totally is. People have to understand that when we are out in nature, when we're out in the city, things do happen. Yes, we toss cigarettes. I see it all the time. People you know, smoking, they toss a cigarette out of the car. One, you're a litter bug. Don't be that idiot. But two, you know, if you're going to flick a cigarette, make sure it's out. And chances are it's not. And we've seen so many times where a careless cigarette has caused a major blaze. Um, I don't have to remind the people in the Northwest about the Eagle Creek fire, a kid with fireworks, lit a fireworks and threw it into a Canyon and it wow. went on and it scarred one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I drove down through that area on Saturday afternoon. I went to hood river with my family, but <sighs> man, it just, you know, it, it sucks seeing an area you love basically being turned from lush green forest to brown, ugly, dead sticks. Yeah. And that's the only, yeah. that's the only way I can put it because 100%. somebody was being careless. Yeah. So. And that's the preventable type of fires that we're talking about. Like, you know, you shouldn't be playing fireworks, period. But I mean, if things are set up dry and windy and all of that then why add to it so 
Right. Everyone just needs to chill with anything fire related for the next couple of days. Especially in this area, because again, when we get wind and let's, we'll jump into this kind of some of the things. So relative humidity is going to be staying at 15% or below. Wow. Okay. That's extremely dry. Extremely dry. I don't even know what humidity that low even is. Like we don't really have that around here. Right. Like the average humidity in a house, I want to say is about 40%, if not higher. Which just means there's available moisture in the atmosphere. It's comfortable. This mm-hmm. is just dry. And I mean, you can tell because you go outside and you're, you're, you know, your hands are kind of stiffer. Your lips get a little chapped quicker. Uh, you're thirsty more often. So just in the Portland metro area, roughly, you know, it's red flag warning is now in effect for the last 45 minutes through 8 o'clock Wednesday. So again, long duration event. High wind warning is up from today coming up at 5 o'clock through tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. So we're going to have the winds. We're going to have the dry. Not necessarily a good thing. Let's pull up the forecast for just the fire forecast because I want to get kind of in the nitty-gritty details of this, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. So the fire weather conditions will deteriorate today as unseasonably strong high pressure pushing south from British Columbia encounters a strong, well-established thermal trough of low pressure along the central and southern Oregon coast. East to northeast winds will increase throughout the day today with relative humidity falling to near critical levels this afternoon. Winds will increase further tonight to near record strength for a September east wind event, gusting 35 to 50 across the lowlands, gusting 50 to 70 in the higher terrain. Some locations in the high Cascades may even gust stronger than that as winds peak later tonight and Tuesday morning. In addition to strong winds, the influx of continental air will cause conditions to become critically dry with relative uh, relative humidities falling into the teens. Once the east wind sets in tonight and Tuesday, there will be slow to ease. High pressure gradually weakens east of the Cascades, slowly relaxing surface pressure grains. Breezy east winds will continue through Wednesday under unseasonably hot and dry conditions. Humidity is dipping into the single digits in some areas. There remains some low-level instability concerns on Wednesday as the thermal trough uh, begins to shift inland east of the Cascades, but there's still quite a bit of uncertainty with how this play out. Warm and dry weather expected to round out the week. So, Let's talk about that. Okay. Low chance mm-hmm. of instability. What's instability? Thunderstorms. What do thunderstorms right. bring, Bonnie? Rain. What else do they bring? Lightning. Yeah. Are you aware what a dry thunderstorm is? Yes. Okay. For those of you that don't know what dry thunderstorms are, we get them a lot in Central Oregon. We get them occasionally on the west side of the state, but it's pretty rare. You guys, you guys get a couple of them in Oklahoma, but they're pretty rare because most of your yeah. most of your thunderstorms are soakers. That's right. A dry thunderstorm is a thunderstorm that forms, has thunder, lightning, the whole nine. But because it is forming in air that is so dry, any rain that falls evaporates before it reaches the ground. So that is what's called virga, where it's yes. obviously raining in the atmosphere, but it's so dry and the air is not saturated to sustain the droplets all the way to the ground that it evaporates. And that is a dry thunderstorm. That is terrible because you get lightning strikes, which hit trees or the ground or houses or cars or anything. And boom, a spark can form a lightning strike can put a tree on fire very quickly, or it can cause it to smolder for days and days and days before finally can bust into an open fire. So when you have dry thunderstorms, it's bad because you get a lot of lightning strikes and very little to no rain to go with it to help kind of squash out that initial start. So that's what we're worried about. 
We're worried about, you know, careless people. We're worried about dry thunderstorms possibly. So the next few days, the next 48 hours or so are going to be pretty critical to fire weather in the Pacific Northwest because everybody is going to be hot. Everybody's going to see easterly winds and those two ingredients don't mix at all. No. And, you know, we definitely have our extreme fire weather days around here from time to time. So we totally understand what you're going through. And for this to be one of those events that does not happen very often has got to be intense. So hopefully everybody's paying attention. Right. One of the areas that, you know, we kind of started talking about this in the forecast realm is there was a series of fires over, gosh, I got to do the math here, um, 18 years. Four fires over 18 years that were collectively known as the Tillamook Burn. For those of you that are unfamiliar with the geography of Oregon, Tillamook is a town on the Oregon coast, just a couple miles inland. But Tillamook is world-renowned for its dairy and its beef jerky. And they got a really <laughs> cool county fair that I'm partial to. Anyways, the Tillamook Burn, like I said, was four fires over those 18 years. The first fire was from 1933 started in the Gales Creek Canyon, which is in the Oregon Coast Range. Now, the Oregon Coast Range is a national forest. You have the Tillamook, well, it's a national and state forest. But you have the Tillamook Forest, you have the Clatsop County Forest, and you have all this area of timber that's used for harvesting, and it's where a lot of houses are, you know, the trees are cut down and replanted. It's very sustainable. It's an area that Oregonians are very, very protective of. It is a series of mountains. It's a coast range. It protects the inland valley from the marine air coming in all the time. Or Portland would constantly be under, you know, 60 degree weather and doom and gloom all the time. But it's not. But these forests sustain a lot of rain and it's very green. So fire dangers in the North Oregon coast range and Central Oregon coast range are pretty minimal. Yeah. Even on a hot summer, it's pretty minimal. But you get conditions like we have now. And that can change. So the first fire started in the Gales Creek Canyon in the Oregon Coast Range. Uh, August 14th, when a steel cable dragging across a fallen tree rubbed against the dry bark of a windfallen snag. Wow. The snag burst into flames and the wildfire that grew out of this burned 350,000 acres. Whoa. Yeah, before being extinguished by seasonal rains on September 5th. So for a month, this thing burned pretty much out of control. And the only thing that could stop it was seasonal rain. Only thing that stopped it was seasonal rain. Wow. The topography of the coast range is nothing special. It's, you know, it's mountainous. It's hilly. Um, not a lot of access roads here and there. But to tell you how serious this condition is, Bonnie, they have started closing down the regional forests. They're putting gates wow. up on the roads that they have gates on. They're telling campers and hikers to leave the area. They're trying to pull as many people out of the forest as they can for the next 48 hours just to prevent stuff like this happening. Well, yeah, and especially campers because that's barbecues and fires yep. and, you know, fire pits, I mean. So, yeah, that's just a disaster waiting to happen. So, yeah, good. Right. Good. So They've learned from their mistakes in the past. Or not mistakes, but just past events. And they're like, well, we're going to get ahead of the game this time. Exactly. The second major fire happened in 1939, allegedly started by another logging operation. It burned 190,000 acres before being wow. extinguished and was contained within the bounds of the earlier fire. So in an area attached to the first fire. 
The third fire happened six years later, the morning of July 9th, 1945, near the Salmonberry River, joined two days later by a second blaze on the Wilson River, started by a discarded cigarette. This fire burned 180,000 acres before it was put out. The cause of the blaze on the Salmonberry fire was mysterious, and many believe it had been set by an incendiary balloon launched by the Japanese due to the fire occurring in the waning days of World War II, which had been carried to Oregon by the jet stream. The third fire, perhaps the best known after the initial wildfire because it affected most of the forested mountains along the popular highways between Portland and the coast. This devastated remains visible to any traveler through the areas as late as the mid-70s. Now, we really haven't had big fires since then. The final fire that made up the four was in 1951, only burned 32,000 acres, and was confined to part of the burned-over area. Now, they don't know how that started. There's a chance that, you know, yeah, six years later, that probably another logging operation. But we see this stuff from time to time. So... It's been 60, almost 70 years since we've had a major fire in the North Oregon Coast Range. Bonnie, it would not surprise me to see a fire start there today or tomorrow. And that just would because. just be devastating. It would be because that is where a lot of Oregon timber comes from, um, especially on the north part of the state. Down south, they've had terrible fires the last four or five years, which has devastated several million board acres of timber or board feet of timber so you know we're all we are all on edge and those in the weather community we're just waiting um if you go and pull open you know any radar app that you like to use you can actually see the east wind making its way toward the portland metro area and as of about an hour ago it was still probably about 70 miles east of us but as i'm looking out the window right now uh, there's some low-level east wind blowing right now, and I know it's a matter of time before those winds really start to ramp up, and it's going to get rocking and rolling tonight. Well, you know, all you can do is do your part and right. spread the word as much as you can. If somebody throws out a cigarette, I'm sure it's hard to prove who did it, but I'm sure there's cases of people for sure oh, we there know are. Was you that threw the oh, cigarette. Yeah. What happens to that person? Um, you know, if they are, if they are convicted of a crime, either they have to pay the damages or they have to, you know, community service, there's jail time. Um, we mentioned the Eagle Creek fire Mm -hmm. on the gorge. We know that a kid lit a firework and threw it into the gorge. They detained him and arrested him. Well, they detained him and questioned him that day. They found him in the parking lot of the trail where they were hiking. And so they got their information and they got, you know, names and phone numbers. And he was ultimately released back to the custody, I think, of his parents before he was officially arrested several days later. Um, We don't know his name, sealed in court documents forever. But we also know that he has been ordered to pay, you know, basically for the rest of his life to help recover the costs. Wow. And, you know, it wasn't just... You know, the fire department, it's the fire department, the state, the federal government, uh, the local railroad that that has a line in the area. Uh, All of these companies have, you know, sued to get money back because, you know, of of the course of the two weeks that this fire really burned and, you know, did a number to tourism, burned a couple houses, threatened two cities, um, threatened a couple national monuments 
almost made it into the eastern edge of the Portland metro area. Again, east wind kicked up, and this fire ran. This thing was jumping hilltop to hilltop miles in advance of wow. the main fire. And there were spot fires growing like every 20 miles, every 20 minutes. That kid is lucky it did not make its way into a neighborhood or Right. And it, it threatened, yeah, it threatened a couple that along small little towns. There's a small little town in the Columbia River Gorge called Cascade Locks. You can look up their weather, their weather observations, KZZK. So, Cascade Locks, it's a tourist destination. They depend on people coming through. That's their livelihood. The town mm-hmm. had to be evacuated. Um, there's a great podcast by a company called REI, which is a local outdoor outfitter here, and they look at the history of the Eagle Creek fire and kind of fires in general and how the whole command structure works. It's a fantastic podcast. Um, and I'm, the name just left my mind. Anyways, uh, the one I say is called wildfire. So if you go on to wherever you listen to your podcast, that you listen to B squared, uh, type in wildfire. It's a great series on the Eagle Creek fire and you kind of get a whole in-depth thing. There were several hundreds of hikers trapped. And this fire took one escape route. However, there was another fire that was already previously burning that also took away another escape route. So all these people that were stuck had to hike out overnight to a different location. And they were able to, but they had fire to the north, fire to the south, and they had nowhere to go. Wow. So he's lucky one nobody was killed because that would, yeah. that, would that any charges would be ramped up to murder. So yeah. the kid was lucky in one, you know, one realm, but... He's also responsible for, you know, permanently scarring one of the most beautiful places on earth. So we talk about just, you know, don't be careless. The funny thing about that fire is, you know, it gets put out, rain and snow comes, and the following spring, they have a flare-up. Oh, And Well, so we talk about trees that smolder and embers that smolder. There was a series of logs, maybe just one log, that had fire burning in it all winter long. It just was the the right mix of dry wood and temperature, and the flame kept going. And we had an unseasonably dry spring that year and had a little bit of wind. It helped really dry things out, and poof, thing just kind of reignited and burned a few more acres, but it absolutely 100% was left over from the previous falls fire. And, you know, it's really kind of cool. The meteorology behind that, uh, we talked about that on a previous show. Um, One of the guys from the fire forecast service out here went into depth about how, you know, that how all that stuff works. So it's, uh, it's crazy. Fires can smolder for long, long periods of time, even through Lots of water and cold temperatures. That is crazy. And that's why fire's nothing to mess with because it's unpredictable and you yep. don't know what it can and can't do and what it's going to do. So you just don't play with it. You right. don't. For all those out there that want to get a career in meteorology, look into fire science and look into the, to being a fire weather officer or dealing anything with fire weather because you will always have a job. True. Because it is one of those areas that is up and coming. It's an area where a lot of research is going into right now. Because especially on the wildland side, 
you have this wild and then urban interface and you have to be able to understand how weather works, how weather, you know, changes and how a wind can dry out a fuel over five hours, 10 hours, or say three days. So it's really fascinating. If you're a science geek like Bonnie and I are, and a weather geek like we are, look into fire weather because that is an area where you can make a very good career for yourself and actually like have a serious change and uh, how things are done. So just, just a pro tip from us. We like to enhance your lives. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Well, Bonnie, I know that we talked about your cold front coming through Oklahoma City. What else do you guys have coming up weather-wise? So that's pretty much our big story. Um, cold front should be here middle of the day to early evening tomorrow, and it's going to bring with it some strong, not projected to be severe storms at this time, but some strong storms with some decent rain. So that will be nice. Um, it's going to cool us off. Lows are going to be in the 50s, wind chills. 30s and 40s, but we're going to warm back up towards the weekend, dry, mid-80s, which is fine. I mean, that's still not that hot. That's We're cooling down towards fall, but I'm really ready for this midweek cool, cool down. I don't blame you. I really don't blame you. Um, out here in Portland, again, we're talking about a red flag warning in effect now through Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. High wind warning will kick in tonight. Um, we can see gusts as high as 44, 45 miles an hour, which is going to be absolutely insane. It's going to be 92 today, almost 90 tomorrow, 94 Wednesday. We're going to get almost up to 100 on Thursday with no wind. So, Wow. Yeah, and I get to sit in a bar full of people trying to dance. Oh, yay. <laughs> I like if, you said trying to dance. That's good. <laughs> it, well, the, So we have to, on Oregon, if you are exercising, you have to wear a mask. Dancing is considered oh. exercise, so you have to wear a mask. Have you ever tried to dance with a mask on, Bonnie? It's not fun. Have you ever tried to dance no, with a mask? No, I get 100? winded walking from my car to the parking lot. <laughs> Fair or enough. To the front door of the grocery store with a mask on. <laughs> Fair enough, as a lot of people do. So it's going to be interesting Thursday. But the big story out here again wind, fire weather, explosive fire growth of what happened. So. Uh, I'll be trying to tweet as much as possible, following fire scanners, all that stuff, just to see what happens. But uh, fingers crossed, it's not too bad. But don't know yet. Don't yeah, know only yet. time will tell. But hopefully, people can be responsible for a few days. Yep, agreed. Please, please be responsible. That's all we ask. Yes. Yeah. Not asking a lot. No. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Well, Bonnie, another great edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys in a couple of days. Bye.